Chapter Forty Nine of Faulkner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Faulkner by Mary Shelley. Chapter Forty Nine. Elizabeth, meanwhile, might envy the resolution that bore him through these appalling scenes. On the night after leaving him, she had not even attempted to rest. Wrapped in a shawl, she threw herself on a sofa, and told each hour during the livelong night. Her reveries were wild, vague, and exquisitely painful. In the morning she tried to recall her faculties. She remembered her conviction that on that day Falconer would be liberated, and she dressed herself with care, that she might welcome him with the appearances of rejoicing. She expected with unconquerable trepidation the hour when the court would meet. Before that hour there was a knock at her door, and a visitor was announced. It was Mrs. Raby. It was indeed a solace to see a friendly face of her own sex. She had been so long deprived of this natural support. Lady Cecil had now and then written to her. Her letters were always affectionate, but she seemed stunned by the magnitude of the blow that had fallen on her friend, and unable to proffer consolation. With kindness of heart, sweetness of temper, and much good sense, still Lady Cecil was commonplace and worldly. Mrs. Raby was of a higher order of being. She saw things too exclusively through one medium and thus the scope of her exertions was narrowed. But that medium was a pure and elevated one. In visiting Elizabeth on this occasion she soared beyond it. Long and heavily had her desertion of the generous girl weighed on her conscience. She could sympathize in her heroism, and warmly approve. It was in her nature to praise and to reward merit, and she had withheld all tribute from her abandoned niece. The interests of her religion, blended with those of family, actuated her, and while resisting a natural impulse of generosity, she fancied that she was doing right. She had spoken concerning her with no one but Lady Cecil, and she, while she praised her young friend, forgot to speak of Faulkner, and there lay the stumbling block to every motion in her favor. When Elizabeth repaired to Carlisle, Mrs. Raby returned to Belforest. She scarcely knew how to introduce the subject to her father-in-law, and when she did, he, verging into dotage, only said, "'Act as you please, my dear, I rely on you. Act for the honour and welfare of yourself and your children.' The old man, day by day, lost his powers of memory and reason. By the time of the trial he had become a mere cipher. Every responsibility fell on Mrs. Raby, and she, eager to do right and fearful to do wrong, struggled with her better nature, wavered, repented, and yet remained inactive. Neville strongly reprobated the conduct of every one towards Elizabeth. He had never seen Mrs. Raby, but she in particular he regarded with the strongest disapprobation. It so happened that, the very day after his father's death, he was at Lady Cecil's when Mrs. Raby called, and by an exception in the general orders, made for Elizabeth's sake, she was let come up. Gerard was alone in the drawing-room when she was announced. 
he rose hastily meaning to withdraw when the lady's appearance changed his entire mind we ridicule the minutiae of the science of physiognomy but who is not open to first impressions neville was prepossessed favorably by mrs raby's countenance her open thoughtful brow her large dark melancholy eyes her dignity of manner joined to evident marks of strong feeling at once showed him that he saw a woman capable of generous sentiments and heroic sacrifice he felt that there must have been some grievous error in sophia's proceedings not to have awakened more active interest in her mind while he was forming these conclusions mrs raby was struck by him in an equally favourable manner no one could see gerard neville without feeling that something angelic something nobly disinterested unearthly in its purity yet beyond the usual nature of man sympathetic animated a countenance that was all sensibility genius and love in a minute they were intimate friends lady cecil hearing that they were together would not interrupt them and their conversation was long neville related his first acquaintance with elizabeth raby he sketched the history of falconer he described him and the scene when he denounced himself as the destroyer of alethea he declared his conviction of his innocence he narrated sir boyville's dying words then they both dwelt on his long imprisonment elizabeth's faithful affection and all that they must have undergone enough to move the stoniest heart tears rushed into gerard's eyes while he spoke while he described her innocence her integrity her total forgetfulness of self and i have deserted her exclaimed mrs raby we have all deserted her this must not continue you go to carlisle to-morrow for the trial the moment it is over and mr falconer acquitted when they have left that town where all is so full of their name and story i will see her and try to make up for my past neglect it will be too late said gerard you may then please yourself by admiring one so superior to every human being but you will not benefit her falconer acquitted she will have risen above all need of your support now is the hour to be of use the very hour of the trial when this unfortunate heroic girl is thrown entirely on herself wounded by her absolute friendlessness yet disdaining to complain i could almost wish that sophia would disregard appearances and hasten to her side although her connection with our family would render that too strange but you mrs raby what should stop you she is your niece how vain to attempt to conceal this from the world it must be known through me i fondly trust it will be known who shall claim her as miss raby when as elizabeth falconer i could never see her more and when it is known will not your desertion be censured be wise be generous win that noblest and gentlest heart by your kindness now and the very act will be your reward hasten to carlyle be with her in the saddest hour that ever one so young and innocent passed through mrs raby was moved she was persuaded she felt a veil fall from before her eyes she saw her duty and she keenly felt the littleness of her past desertion she did not hesitate 
and now that she perceived how gladly her niece welcomed her in this hour of affliction, and how gratefully she appreciated her kindness, she found in the approval of her own heart the sweetest recompense for her disinterestedness. Elizabeth's swollen eyes and timid, hurried manner betrayed how she had passed the night, and how she was possessed by the most agitating fears. Still she spoke of the acquittal of her father, as she took pride in calling him at this crisis as certain, and Mrs. Raby, taking advantage of this, endeavoured to draw her mind from the torture of representing to herself the progress of the scene then acting at so short a distance from them, by speaking of the future. Elizabeth mentioned Faulkner's determination to quit England, and her own to accompany him. The hinted dissuasion of Mrs. Raby she disregarded. He has been a father to me. I am his child. What would you say to a daughter who deserted her father in adversity and sickness? And, dear Mrs. Raby, you must remember that my father is, in spite of all his courage, struck by disease. Accustomed to my attentions, he would die if left to hirelings. Deserted by me, he would sink into apathy or despair. Mrs. Raby listened. She admired the enthusiasm, and yet the softness, the sensibility, and firmness of her young kinswoman. But she was pained. Many ideas assailed her. But she would not entertain them. They were too wild and dangerous. And yet her heart, formed for generosity, was tempted to trample upon the suggestions of prudence and the qualms of bigotry. To give diversion to her thoughts, she mentioned Gerard Neville. A blush of pleasure, a smile shone more in the eyes than on the lips, mantled over her niece's countenance. She spoke of him as of a being scarcely earthly in his excellence. His devotion to his mother first, and lately his generosity towards her, his resolution to go to America, to seek Osborne, for her sake and the sake of justice, were themes for eloquence. She spoke with warmth and truth. Yet... If you follow Mr. Faulkner's fortune, said Mrs. Raby, you will see him no more. I cannot believe that, replied Elizabeth. Yet, if it must be so, I am resigned. He will never forget me, and I shall feel that I am worthy of him, though separated. Better that than to remain at the sacrifice of all I hold honorable and good. He would despise me, and that were worse absence an absence of the heart ten thousand times more galling than mere distance of place. One would be eternal and irremediable, the other easily obviated when our duties should no longer clash. I go with my father because he is suffering. Neville may join us because he is innocent. He will not, I feel and know, either forget me or stay away forever. End of chapter 49